Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, man, do I have the best deal for you. How about going with my friends at Bet Online? This is one of the busiest times of year. College football, NFL, hockey is starting, NBA upcoming, baseball playoffs soon as well. Plus, hey, the Ryder Cup so you can lay some money down on Team USA as well. 50% off your welcome bonus today with Bet Online. Head on over to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag. It's a 50% bonus up to $1,000 with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. B L E A V. Bet Online. Betonline.ag is the website. Bet Online, where the game starts. Fall is simply football season, and fans across the country are hoping that preseason hype leads to postseason success. In the NFL, we'll see if early Super Bowl favorites like the Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, and Bills can hold off up-and-comers. And college football fans are wondering if Georgia will make it a three-peat or if top-ranked challengers like Michigan or Florida State can take home the national championship trophy. The college football and NFL seasons are defined by big plays, injuries, and coaching decisions. As a football fan, I also want to hear about the behind-the-scenes and off-field stories that shape the season. The football interviews and topics you hear on the ML Sports Platter are shaped by lessons learned at St. Bonaventure University. The online Master of Arts in Sports Journalism at St. Bonnie equips reporters and hosts for digital storytelling across the sports world. Students learn how to tell compelling stories through digital and traditional platforms. They are also encouraged to envision the future of sports journalism with their capstone projects. This 100% online degree builds on decades of academic excellence, and I'm a proud Bonnie, and I can tell you that you can join me in a growing list of notable graduates, including the New York Post's Mike Vaccaro and ESPN's Raina Banks. In fact, you'll hear from an accomplished alum or industry expert during video masterclasses in each course. Contact an enrollment advisor at sbujournalism.com. That's sbujournalism.com today to learn more about the online Master of Sports Journalism. That's sbujournalism.com. Hey guys, this is Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. ML Sports Platter back with you. Download, subscribe, rate, and review all over Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts, of course. And we are brought to you by title sponsor, Stanley Law Offices. Together, they'll work to get you the maximum reward. And a big tip of the cap thank you as well to associate sponsors, Camille's Golf Club, Maple Down Senior Living Community, Sales Rep Courtney. Make sure you give her a call at 315-400-9666 to get your loved one into Maple Down Senior Living Community. And CH Insurance, Bonnet Sales and Service, and Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company. If you're in and around Central New York, Western New York, Eastern New York, doesn't matter. Traveling through the state for great beer, you can find it right there on School Street in Victor, New York. A nice outside suburb of Ra-Cha-Cha, of course. Rochester, New York, one of the great cities in our state, Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company with the Sours, the Seltzers, the IPAs, the Red Ale, their Oktoberfest, unbelievable stuff. It's Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Make sure you sign up for their mug club as well, stumblingmonkeybeer.com. Grab some gear before your visit. Well, I'm jazzed up to go back to my childhood for a little bit here. One of the greatest running backs in Syracuse football history. Had an awesome career for the Orange Men. Yes, Orange Men at the time, and then was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. Spent a few years in the city of brotherly love, the third-round draft pick. Then moved on to the Canadian Football League and what a career it was there as well. 95, 96, 97, and 2000 Grey Cup champion. And uh, we bring on to the ML Sports Platter now, 
the great Robert Drummond. Hey, Robert, thanks for a few, man. I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. So I thought we'd start the interview with this because I know you post a lot on social about the SU football program, and I know you're very Correct. proud and you really want this program to, to do well, as do I. But the reality is expectations is kind of where I want to start. What should the expectation be? Former player, fan, media, you know, everybody involved. What should it be considering today's climate, the old dome, NIL transfer portal, competing with schools in the South? What should it really be? Um, for, for me personally, talking to a lot of players, the, the expectation should be should be to, to get better each year. You know, I mean, we, 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 Syracuse is not a large market city, you know, you know and, and it's, a, it's a type of small community that loves its sports, loves its sports players, loves its sports teams. You know, it's it's just it's just I, I really can go back and base it off what I saw when I played for uh, for Coach Mack back in the mid '80s. You know, mid to late mid '80s to late uh, late late '90s or excuse me, early '90s. We just strive to try and get better each year, and you know, mediocrity is what is not, what not we strive for. It's just I, I see all this, you know, going six and six or you know or seven and six or it's like Coach Pascaloni went six and six two years in a row and was fired for it. Yet yeah, Dino Babers can do that and. You know, it's just he, he got a raise after going, you know, for SU football after going, you know, having a 10 and, I think, 10 and 2 year one time with Dungy, which was actually Coach Schaefer's um, recruits. And, and I just don't like the fact that how, you know, if you, if you want to learn how to be successful, learn from those who have done it before. You know, I remember talking to Art Monk, and Art Monk told us that uh, he didn't want the former players around because he wanted to uh, put a stamp. His stamp on how the team was run and wanted to run it his own uh, his own way. We we're like, sure, it's like it's not going to work, you know. But if you if you if you want to do that, you know, be my guest, you know. And after the first, second, third, fourth year, at some point, you should have said to yourself, "It's like, okay, maybe I need these older players to educate these younger players on what it takes to be a successful program." But he still didn't reach out. I don't think he reached out. And and, I, and, and in my gut, I have a feeling. That Wildcat, you know, told them, it's like, you know, you need to reach out to the alumni, you know, because we're losing the alumni base. No kidding. You know, you're excluding us. I mean, I always tell my children, I tell myself, do not go anywhere where you don't feel invited. Because it's an uncomfortable feeling. You know, so pretty much we we, we stay away um, that, uh, since then and until this day. I mean, I'll always root for my Orange program because long after Dino Babers is gone, you know, I'll still be cheering for the Orange and I'll still be right here because it's my hometown and my not just my hometown, my home city, you know? So it's, it's just a frustrating feeling from a, from a former alumni, you know, a player to, to sit there and just watch, watch a team that I think could be a lot better, you know, with, with outside help of us. And, and it's not just way about winning games. It's also about winning the cities. You know, the, the dome is going to be empty because nobody can relate to anybody in the Syracuse University football staff or the, or, or the players. Can you name a player from Syracuse, the city of Syracuse or a local area that's on the team? So, yeah, one one thing that I, I look at is, and I understand the mediocrity part that you're referring to, the six and six part. Yeah, yeah. But here, here's where I stand, and, and call me crazy, right, if you want to. But I think with the, the climate of college football the way it is today, I'm not saying except losing. That's not at all what I'm saying. But the climate the way it is today, the way things have changed, money, uh, NIL transfer portal. The dome is so old. Why would an 18-year-old want to come to Central New York with the weather and some of the challenges that are up here? There are so many different challenges, and I'm not defending Dino because I don't like Dino as a head coach. I will be very, very, uh, bl- you know, blunt by saying that. But with all of those challenges and with all the reality that goes on out there, 
my expectation and my hope is that Syracuse every year, you know, is around seven and five or eight and four. This year, your non-conference was pretty weak and you can get three right in the bag and you won at Purdue. So that was a big one to go four and oh. And then from there, what do you do? Well, so far we've seen what they do. But where I sit is this program is getting crushed in the toss-up games in the ACC. I hear all the time about the conferences, well, you can't compete and you can't do this and that, you know, the speed and the South and this, and you can't get players, you can't get... I disagree because the conference is so down and if Syracuse doesn't belong in the ACC, then Indiana doesn't belong in the Big Ten. There's a bunch of Power Five teams, Robert, as you know, that just don't belong in Power Five mid to low level if that's what you're comparing Syracuse to. So I'm thinking, hey, wait a minute. Two three-star recruits come in here. You develop them quicker than everybody else. The Pitts, BCs, Virginia Techs, Wake Forest, those kind of teams. You occasionally beat a Clemson. You occasionally beat a Florida State. You occasionally go 9-3, and 10-2. and two, But really, 7-5, and 8-4 and four in that neighborhood and going to a bowl every year and developing and winning more of your play, you know, more of your toss-up games than you lose, I think that's an okay expectation. Am I crazy? Um, that, that's not a crazy thought process. I mean, I, I don't, I don't believe in this, you know, in a star rating system because if I, if I go back and look at the Syracuse team and even when we went 11 and 0, you know, and then went 10 and. Ten and one the next year, ten and two the next year. It's like we had no five star recruits, exactly. we had no four star recruits. Yeah. We had a bunch of probably, you know, what they would call to this day, you know, one, two, and three star recruits that just worked their behinds off. And plus, we had a bunch of local kids like myself who was playing for his home team that gave you one hundred and ten percent and turned myself into a professional football player. But the recruit, I, tur- I, I, I did it. Donnie McPherson did it. Daryl right. Johnson did it. You know, I can go on and on and on a list of names of guys who weren't like these so called one stars, two star, three star recruits, but were local and played their heart and soul off for a coach who. Just believed in them and found a way to get better. Yeah, but that—that's it's a good point. But I mean, that was a different recruit back then, though. You know what I mean? Like the Northeast, and I didn't even bring this up, but the Northeast football scene was a lot different back then too. I mean, Syracuse, Penn State. You know, you remember? I mean, it was unbelievable oh, yeah. compared oh, yeah. to what it, it was, was today. I, so I think. Pittsburgh. Yeah, exactly. But I just think that the Northeast was maybe more targeted then because these schools were so unbelievable. I mean, now it's more of you know, you've got Oregon and you've got kids coming from California going all the way across the country to the East Coast and then East Coast kids going to the Midwest and Midwest, you know, and kids are going to always go everywhere and the brands and social media and all that change. But the, the Northeast recruit was a big part of what Syracuse was doing back then because it was yes, all it about was. fit. That is true. It was about that fit. Is true. But Robert, to your point, it's still and always will be about fit in sports forever. And so today, that's where I, I'm in agreement with you is that you garner that two and three star guy, but you develop him faster. And you, you see the thing that bothers me is the game against Virginia Tech. That that is the ultimate Dino Babers era game. You know, like the, these games against Pitt and the the toss up games where you're not just losing, but you're getting blown out of the building. I mean, that that cannot happen. And I feel like that's where the program has fallen the most. I, I, mean, I would say I mean, he's a great guy. I mean, I've met him several times. Things of that nature. I just don't think he's the right coach for the environment that Syracuse holds. It's just like, I mean, I, 
every single coach we, we, we I mean Greg, coach Robinson I, I, I ran I mean I'm in a city all the time I ran into coach Robinson multiple places I ran into coach Schaefer multiple places I ran into coach Marone multiple places I mean coach Mack would but, but so, so like when I, when I was in college myself I would go to high school games or games and coach Mack would, would like would, would be in the stands also in those games and I'd be like wow you know I've never run into Dino Babers not once in this entire city in eight years and 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 that, and that just seems odd to me. How can somebody who's in the city all the time not possibly run into it? I've run into every other single coach, whether it be a high school game or you know or or the mall or or you know or a grocery store or somewhere somehow somewhere by chance. I'm in the city all the time and I've never run into him. Yeah, I, I haven't either. Actually, that's an interesting point. I, I've actually run <laughs> None into of Jim. My friends have. <laughs> I, I've run into Jim Beheim at Panera. You know, so. I've run into Coach. I've no Coach B all the time. It's a personal friend, yeah. but I'm like, I yeah. run into him and his wife Julie all the time. Yeah. I have not run into Babers in eight years, not once. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, way to look at it. Robert Drummond <laughs> is with us, the Syracuse football great. Let, let's go one or two other areas with the current time, and then I want to kind of reminisce a little bit with you because that's that's so much fun too. Um, as far as the the current day, what do you think, though, after we've kind of broken all this stuff down here, what do you think is the greatest challenge for the Syracuse football program? What What is it? Is it is it the climate? Is it the North, uh, the NIL? Is it the transfer portal? Is it the facilities? Is it, you know, the dome with the facilities? Is it something else? Is it is it getting kids here in this climate year round? What is the number one challenge for Syracuse football? I think the number one challenge for SU is basically getting back to what they used to be. And by that, I mean, no, it's just you're not going to go out there and be at Alabama or or Georgia or Michigan or Ohio State. You don't have the size. You don't have the resources. You don't have the, you know, the the, the federal money that these these non-private schools get. You know, we're, we're a private school. We have to realize that. You know, it's got to put, you have to put yourself in a position to have a coach that believes in the city. The one thing I always say first with Syracuse is that you have to win the city back. Coach Mack understood that, you know, Coach Pascaloni understood that. Coach Marone, until he was, you know, until he was decided to go someplace else, was, was realizing that, you know, it's, it's going to take somebody to, to, to win the city back. You know, because once you have the backing of the city, you have you'll have everybody helping you as you as, as opposed to you just helping yourself. Right now, Dino Babers is trying to do it on his own and no one can do that. I was watching a game the other day, uh, the U.S. the USC game. Was it the U.S.? It was the U.S.C. game. I was watching. I just noticed on on, on the sidelines, you know, it, it, they they had uh, they had former players on the sideline. This was during the game. I know at Syracuse we we can go on the sideline for like, but but we can go on the sideline for pregame. And after that, they kick us off off the sidelines up into up into up into the seats. But I'm like, you know what what better national recognition than to have like like the White Breeding will be at the game this this Friday. Yeah. How interesting it would be to have the White Breeding on the sideline during the game so you know so you can get media coverage and more people will pay attention because they know an all pro, you know, a superstar college college all American college Hall of Fame player like the White Breeding, you know? So so ad, advertise your assets and use them. I mean that's how successful people become successful by using their assets. Yeah, that's interesting, actually, because you could almost use the USC sideline approach with all, you know, Will Ferrell and Snoop Dogg and all these guys yeah, who, yeah, yeah, who go to the yeah. games, or or what should you know what what Dion's doing at Colorado this year, uh, as I well. That, yeah, that's a fascinating one. I, I also have one other one to bring to the table here, and it's actually not something that I mean I knew about it, but I didn't really I didn't really go deep thinking into this. I have a very good friend of mine who I went to high school with. Um, and he's a few years older than me. He he went to school and graduated with my sister. But he was a great basketball player in his high school days, Josh Luno. 
And, you know, he came over to the pool over the summertime and we were chatting about SU football and he's a huge sports fan. He loves his cues. You know, he played for the Central Square basketball team when they were a real force in the state um, back in the in the time, if you remember, uh, when uh, when they went to the States and played a guy by the name of Bobby Laser, who ended up going to, you know, Syracuse for a bit and playing for Coach B, and, you know, before Arizona State. Yeah, yeah. So he was he was a really good player, a really good forward, and we become really close friends. and And he he looked at me one day at, at the pool and he said, "You know, you know what really got Syracuse going on the map too?" And I stopped and I and I was like, "What is he asking me? What could he possibly be asking me? Is this a trick question?" He said, "Mike, a black quarterback." And yeah. I stopped and thought about that, Robert, and I was like, "Oh my God." He is so right. Don McPherson, Marvin Graves, Donovan McNabb. Hey, let's go all the way back to Bernie Custis, for God's sakes, right? So how important would it be, do you think, if Syracuse, you know, went a little Doug Williams here, went a little Caleb Williams here, went a little somebody in between, right? Like a McNabb, a Graves, somebody like that, like a black quarterback to help, you know, the fan base and, and, and with excitement and all the rest. Because let's be honest, if you think about it, the history of Syracuse football when it was probably at its best throughout the years, had a black quarterback, right? Black and, quarterback, and, and, and that, that, that is look, true, right? It's, 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 a, it's an interesting concept. It I never thought about it like that, but it is. I mean, me, me, me as a trainer, and, you know, and as an athlete, things of that nature. I'm going to put the best person for the best, you know, that gives me the best opportunity for the, for the team to be successful. Yeah. You know, you can't like Dino Babers was trying to take a, a round peg and put it in a square hole. It's like you know, change, you know, change, change, change your peg until you know to, to fit you know, a system that you know adapts to your kids. You know, I mean, I, I mean, enjoy watching Schrader play, but he's not the passer that's going to allow you to be able to, you know, to, to, to throw the ball up and down the field and win games, you know, and, and your run game, but your old line is not strong enough right now. It's like, as an outsider, as a former football player, I can see that. You don't think the fans and other coaches can't see that also? These other coaches watch film also, you know, so you got to change. You got to adapt with the system and the way things are going, and he's not doing that. You know, even, even the way he manages the game, it's like, what are you doing? It's like, I, I, it, it gets frustrating. It gets very, very frustrating, you know. And it's he's at eight, he's at eight years. I mean, the the, the Davos Swing has won national championships, and they're calling for his head right now. <laughs> yeah, and he's well, won I mean, national championships. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, and certainly Dabo and that program has you know different expectations for sure. But yes, but to your point, if you can lower all the way down, you know, a program and think of what you what I alluded to, even the eight and four, seven and five. You're going to upset Clemson, yay. You're going to upset Vatek, yay. But you finish the year four and eight, so who cares? If you lower, to a certain extent, the program and understand Syracuse versus Clemson and what the expectations are for here, you know, you can almost level it out and say, well, it's the same here for what they should be doing compared to Dabo and what they should be doing. You you could you could make that argument. I, I don't know. I thought my buddy Josh brought up an unbelievable point with the whole black quarterback thing because of the recruiting and when they've been their most exciting as a program. Um, I don't know. I'm wondering too, Robert Drummond is our guest, a couple more for you. And I knew this was going to be so fascinating to talk to you. Um, how, how important is number 44 to recruits? I mean, does it matter? We've heard fans yell for that thing to come down and use it as recruiting. Uh, some people think it could be important. Others are like, no, kids don't even know you know, about any of that stuff. Then you have a Leonard Fournette who comes in here a few years ago, and I'm sure you, you heard the stories, Robert, about him. He came right in and said, I want to see all the Ernie Davis, Floyd Little, and Jim Brown stuff. So where do you sit on 44? Where do you, where do you sit on history helping, uh, you know, history helping the current state of, of the program? I mean, I think it's cool. The, 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 the 44, you know, and the historic, you know, 
requiesce of, uh, of, of that of that number. I mean, if I can say no, but I think for the current recruit, it's like recruits like even even you know, even these guys coming up nowadays that, that, that want to go up there like like Sean Tucker, let's say you know Sean Tucker wanted to make his own mark. No, so now that Sean Tucker left, Sean Tucker will always be remembered as number 34. He's, he set the standard for himself. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you follow in the footsteps of somebody else, you're always going to be, be compared you know, to that person, and, you know, and, 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 and be a, you, you'll be grouped along with the number 44. I have a lot of respect for the number 44 and what it did for not, not just the, the football team, but for the community also, and how we're so proud of it. But, you know, let these kids come in and make a name for themselves and put, put their benchmark you know, uh, w- w- you know, w- with their own numbers. You know, it can be a, a great recruiting tool, but why, well, I mean, like, from my, this is and this is just my philosophy. Why follow in somebody else's footsteps? I have all the respect in the world for, you know, so Mr. Brown, you know, and Mr. Davis, you know, and Sean Tucker and Joe Morris, you know, and I can go on and on. Michael Owens, go on and on and on about the list of names of former Syracuse running backs that you know that that I happen to be blessed to be in, in, in to be named in that class. But 44 is 44 is hallowed, and, and let 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 that stay up there. I mean, I, I, no one will ever achieve achieve the success of what Ernie Davis and Jim brought there. They're legendary. So 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 let them. I mean, you can use it as a tool and be like, you know, you can be a part of an organization that had these had these guys here. But you know, a, a number doesn't make a player. A player makes a number. Is how I feel. When did you realize that 1987 was going to be something special? Oh gosh, that's <laughs> uh, probably when we played when we went eleven to zero before we went to the New Year's Day bowl game. I mean, I, I had no idea that that entire year was going to be. So it took you that long like that. to realize, like, oh wait, we really did do this. I mean, because a lot of people know halfway through the year and the beginning of the season, like they feel something is brewing. You didn't feel that at all. You know, what? I, I mean, like. It, and in, in, in all honesty, like, the, like we, we were five and zero, and we, we were playing Penn State in, in front of a national audience. Yes. We ranked, however, however high we're ranked in the country, you know, at, at that time. And I remember just, walk, I mean, just going to the locker room, and we were getting ready before kickoff. Like, like normally, Coach Mack just got us all riled up, and we're cheering and we're clapping, and we're it, it was a buzz in the locker room I've never heard before. Hmm. And the guys just won't sit down and we just kept it up. We kept it up for about 10 to 15 minutes before we walked out of that tunnel. So by the time we walked out of that tunnel, we were so, we were so, we were so engrossed and ready to play this game. And you just destroyed like, them. Never... You, you destroyed them. They were number 10. You were number 13. You destroyed them. 48, 21. I mean, it's just, it yeah. just like from, from, they, they had no chance at that game. Yeah. I mean, from, from the opening play, we were just, we, I, I, it, I've never felt anything magical like that before in my life in a football game. Not like that, you know. And I and I carried on through the entire game. At mm-hmm. one point, the, the score was forty-two to nothing <laughs> against the number ten team in the country. Yeah. <laughs> it was forty-two to nothing, and like, and I remember turning the turnover, looking at the clock, and I turned to DJ, and I was like, DJ, it's like, and I and I, I kept wanting to pinch myself. I was like, there's no way we're beating this team like this. We weren't just beating them; we were dominating. Yeah. Yeah, and then you went. And I said, "This wow, this is a this is a good team. This is a very good team." So you realize it then, okay? All right, and then you beat Colgate. You go at Pitt and win. You uh, you know just destroyed people. I mean, destroyed Colgate. Destroyed. You you, you realize we're down Pitt seventeen to nothing in the first quarter. I do remember that. I do remember that. Even I was eight years old, but I remember it. And then at Navy, (laughs) won that one big again. Though BC, you know, crushed them. And then the West Virginia. I mean, that game was just. That was crazy. (laughs) You have got to be kidding. You know, I'll I never, mean, I'll we, never forget we, Doug Logan's we call. Every way possible, you know, come from behind, yeah, you know, yeah. dominating, you know, yeah. it, it's just a late, late section, section, uh, 
second heroics. I mean, we yeah. just showed the character and grit of the team that year. It's like, you know, instead of going for a tie, what do we do? We we, we would rather lose than, you know, than, tie, than have a game tied that we thought we were a better team. Yeah. Pat Dye, huh? Yeah, I, I'll tell you, and that, you know, the, the Pat Dye Auburn Sugar Bowl, you know, electing to tie the game. I, that's you, that's all ego. You can, he didn't, yeah, want to, he it, didn't want to lose to a team from the North. Yeah, exactly. And you, can, you can't even imagine that in today's day and age where everybody's going for it with the analytics yeah. and all that, right? Yeah. Like, you can't imagine that. I, so if he, if he, if, if that game ends up being Syracuse winning it is what I'm trying to say, right? If he, if he elects to go for it and they don't get it or they kick the field goal and miss it, that's what I'm trying to get at. And you guys win that game. Uh, what happens then? I mean, are you guys outright national champs? Do you think you share it? Do you, I mean, is that is that it? Does does Don McPherson win the Heisman? I mean, what happens? Oh, I, I mean, that's 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 a lot of speculation. I, oof, I, I, mean, I think we'd be we'd be in our right minds to have a good argument to be you know to be co you know the national champions. Right. I think I think what was it Miami that year that went Yeah, it was a game? different age back then. I mean, you know, yeah, you didn't have I mean, the playoffs it's, it's, and everything. So, yeah. and, and Donnie was robbed of the Heisman regardless. So look look at Tim Brown's stats for for that oh, year. Oh, absolutely. And that, and that's all I'll say. Yeah. He, yeah. he had he had one good game the entire year. It was on national television. I think Notre Dame. I think they played. I think they played Michigan. We had we had two punt returns. I forget who they played, but he had a great game on national television, and that's what basically he had. And I know it was a game he had two punt returns, but that's what won in the Heisman. But he did not have the stats to win the Heisman Trophy that year. He didn't even leave for Stevers. Yeah, you and, don't and, have to convince me. That was Tommy Kane led the country in touchdowns that year. Yeah, he, he he's a friend of mine, and I I watched every single game that year. I, I might have watched almost all the Notre Dame games as well, even as an eight year old. And I remember just so many things and obviously going back and I'm a huge history buff now, you know, working in the business 25 years and covering the games and I've been to events with Don and I, I say it's one of the biggest robberies of college football oh, history. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, in closing, can you give my listeners kind of an idea of what you're doing today and, and what keeps you busy, Robert? Oh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a personal trainer. No, I, I told myself when I wanted to, um, when, I, when I retired, what I wanted to do was help people stay healthy or longer so they could have more time with their families. And I wanted to help kids be able to accomplish their goals if they ever set out to be to be good or great athletes, you know, because it's 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 a process. And a lot of, especially with this generation, it's a lot of kids that don't understand that process. And it takes hard work, you know. You got to get off TikTok. You got to get off social media. You got to do well in school, you know. And even with this whole NIL deal and like, like we were just talking about earlier, all, all the – confusion and things going around with, you know, it would, it would be a, a student, and I always say student first, student athlete, you know, there, there, there's so much, there's, there's such a gauntlet they have to ro- go through to get there. And I just wanted to be a buffer to show them to be, to be able to say, you know, if, if you if you work as hard as I did, you can probably go as far as I did. I was fortunate enough to play, be able to play 15 years professionally, which is unheard of for a running back. You know, but but it, but I, I know the dedication that it took for me to get up every single day and go out there and work as hard as I possibly can just to be better. And not be a better athlete, but be a better person. So, that, so that's what I do now. And, and I, I create, come, come up with a system uh, it was just called RAPS, which stands for Redesigning Athletic Performance System. You know, which 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 was which uses analytics to be able for me to go out there and test the athlete, whatever, depending on what sport it is, whether it be basketball, baseball, football, you know, soccer, lacrosse, soccer, and I can test an athlete. And I, not only can I test an athlete and tell you where you rank nationally, but I, I could also tell you your strengths and weknesses and give you a workout program, you know, a blanket workout program, but the program is specifically designed for your for your. For your athleticism, not somebody else's. It's not these blanket packets they send out in college to the athletes that are coming in. But this is a, a program that's designed specifically for that individual athlete, which yeah. is crazy. It took me years to develop it, but 
it's gotten to the point now where it's developed and now I can help kids, you know, achieve their goals if they so choose. So, but that's what I choose to do in, in, in my, in my waning days as a older gentleman, I say. <laughs> well, this was, this was a blast. I'm so glad that we caught up on social media. I've got yourself. So we'll try to stay in touch through the, uh, Coming years, of course, one of the great uh, running backs in Syracuse football history, uh, over 2,200 yards, 17 touchdowns, part of that 87 undefeated team. And oh, by the way, he averaged 5.7 a carry during his career. People forget that that was Robert Drummond. And my goodness, what a joy it was to watch you play and connect here on the podcast. Of course, Syracuse football great Robert Drummond, a very successful professional career as well. Thanks a lot, RD. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right, take it easy. Thank you. SU Sports are underway. Hi, this is Joe Convertino Jr. here at CH Insurance. In our new offices downtown, we have over our entryway, work like a champion. We all high-five it to remind us of what we're here to do for you. As an independent agent, we're seeking the right coverage at the right price to protect your business and all that's important to you. We play as a team, win as a team. That's our theme. Count on the team who knows there's no off-season. CH Insurance, in your corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.